Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And it's uh, city limits, obviously. Not, not so obviously, maybe. And uh, and that was Emma, of course, um, who's uh, pressing buttons and co-presenting on the program. Mark Allen's co-presenting over there. I'm Kevin Healy. I'm co-presenting over here. And it's housing day, and we're going to have um, two people on the line. We plan to have April coming in, but she uh, rang to say she's tied up in another story of Melbourne, of course, massive mm. traffic jam. She said she took two hours to get to work from the east from the western suburbs yesterday and this morning the ring roads closed she got on the road to get here um early yep. and um and rang me at about um eight o'clock to say she'd turn around and gone home because mm. it was going to be impossible mm. and she's going to ring in and we're also going to be talking to howard from people for people for public housing uh at the same time and i'm going to discuss with both of them issues involving all sorts of things about public housing but uh, particularly this, the ongoing issue of the government giving away public housing mm. to private groups and to other groups and, uh, yes. and the fact they're not building any new stuff. So we'll have a yarn about all those things. And there's also been a, some sort of agreement between the federal and, and state governments about um, housing being handed over, etc. that uh, I don't know a lot about, but April and Howard do, so they'll, uh, they'll fill us in. They will. Um, so there we are. That's today's program. We'll rave on till then. Um, and as I say, April's going to ring in now, and we'll, um, we'll have uh, a full discussion around those housing issues. So there we are. Speaking of local government and things, which we weren't really were we, but I suppose housing comes into it, um, another one of those wonderful stories... Um, only the Herald Sun can do, I think. Uh, councils in firing line is the headline. Now, it's the local government minister, Natalie Hutchins, and she says she's open to amalgamating some of the 79 Victorian councils. The possibility could especially appeal to regional and rural councils who could share services that are lower cost to ratepayers. We're on the cusp of our review of the Local Government Act, and that has brought up this conversation quite a bit, not only the number of councils, but the boundaries. That wasn't in the scope of the review, but it's something we would be willing to talk about down the track. If people have strong views, they should come forward. She said forced mergers between councils councils was definitely off the table, saying some councils were still reeling after the repercussions of forced amalgamations 20 years ago, which was by the Kennett government, of course. Um, Having staff at five different locations in the city of Brigbank as a leftover from being two separate councils, etc., she goes on about that. But she's saying, look, if they want to do it, they can. We'll talk to them, but we're not going to force anything. So the response from the opposition spokesman, David Davis, is Mm. this was a further step in Daniel Andrews' war on local government and communities. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously, if you're opposition, you've got to say something. Um, (laughs) Local democracy should be protected, and the government did not go to the election with this plan for council amalgamations. Well, neither did Jeff Kennett, but that's another question. But they're they're actually not saying they will. Holding a whip over local government and uh, saying amalgamate, if you like, is not democracy. If you like, is not democracy. You choose, but that's not democracy, apparently. So I wonder if David Davis has had a chat with Mike Baird in New South Wales and how that conversation was going. Uh, yeah, I think have a chat to a uh, number of people he could talk to, but they're all uh, of the same, I would think. Yeah, um, yeah. But there you are. Anyway, we better pour some tea. You, you have. You yeah, must. we haven't yeah. poured tea. Well, here we go. I'll pour one no, here. Something here was go. missing from... Yeah. That's right. We got, well, I got so excited about David Davis and his, his, <laughs> sensible, his sensible response. 
Yes. I mean, at least the Labor Party in Canberra doesn't say we are opposition, so we have to oppose. They sit down with the government and work out what they're going to cut. Yes, that's and, right. And slash things for the environment. They um, don't quite slash welfare as much as the government was planning. It's all very good. There you are, Emma. Ah, right, Paul. Keeps dear. the whole game going, doesn't oh, it? Oh, it does indeed. Um, on um, speaking of the gang going, um, more than 100 soldiers have been banned from military weapons so far this year because of serious fears they will use them to hurt their partners or themselves. And it's another story about the fact that, you know, pe- soldiers, people in the train killing forces uh, have all sorts of problems. And, they, you know, if you train, if you join something because you like killing people and want to go out and kill them and you can't because you're stuck in Australia and there's a bit illegal here, it's only legal if you're sent over there to do it then you get a bit itchy, you know. Um, you want to go and kill someone. And um, the reasons include family violence, risk of self-harm, psychological issues and positive drug tests. I mean, they do go through a hell of a lot, but I don't know why anyone joins up in the first place. That's the point. But, um, but yeah, it's on again. And just on that, of course, in the last week, we've seen America has given $50 billion um, to Israel for um, military aid, um, yes. which shows just how bad those Palestinians must be, doesn't it? The, the, how the, evil they those are. Stones they throw are getting yeah. quite sharp. Oh, it is. But it's it's but it's oh, those young kids throwing them. I mean, they're yeah. they, you know, they're strong as young they ages. They, yeah, that's yeah, right. They've they got can, a good they've, they've got a good throw. They can hurt as they bounce off your helmet or that's, off your tank. That's right. Um, uh, but. Um, it's it's a win-win situation, this, because one of the conditions of the $50 billion is Israel has to spend it all with American merchants of death. So the whole $50 million has to be spent on buying weapons from America. So it's sort of, you may as well not even hand it over. You just say, get send us the bill and we'll pay them. Or exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it's, oh, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. Speaking of being paid, um, that recent story in the, um, in the Age that came out, which said that... Um, Many of the retailers were underpaying, and they add up to three hundred million in workers being underpaid, thanks to deals done, of course, with the shop shop uh, distributor, the shop union, but it's called the shop distributor of an allied employees association. They don't even call themselves a union, very right wing union, mm. but it includes the usual suspects: McDonald's, um, Hungry Jacks, KFC, Woolworths. Mm. But the bit I found interesting was the Woolworths bit because um, Woolworths have said that they, they have ads now with kids on telly saying, you know, I got a job at Woolies yeah, and it's yeah. one of their mums say it's great, the kid got a job at mm. Woolies and Woolies say how much they care about kids. Uh, you'll be pleased to hear an analysis of four weeks of rosters at one inner Melbourne Woolly, Woolworth store shows 63, well, they call it Woolies. I, that's, that's, that's marketing trying to get you to make it feel like it's something friendly like Maccas, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Well, it's called Woolworths, not Woolies, for Christ's sake. Um, <laughs> shows 63% of workers were paid less than the award, about $1,070 for each affected worker. And it's a result of low, non-existent night and weekend penalty rates. And most of it's under, they're either being paid under the award and or not getting penalty rates, etc., mm. etc. But I mean, it's terrible. But for, it doesn't you know. surprise me. So the Woolworths ads um, might say, well, look, we do employ kids. We don't actually pay them. Yes. The right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know. Not, not I'm suggesting it's a form of cheap labour or slavery or anything like that. No. I'll just have a sip of tea here. Anyone got anything to say? We'll have a sip of tea. Emma, would you? Well, that got that got it rolling. Oh, um, well, we were talking just before. I went out to Point Cook yesterday. Oh yes. Um, Yeah, and I was just really shocked. There were no, absolutely no commercial uses out there whatsoever. It was 
the most. There was nothing to walk to, nothing, nothing to, to nothing do. Nothing to walk to. Um, Just nice parkland, but no, uh, yeah. no commercial activity, pretty, no pretty, commercial hubs. Pretty no. great parkland, yeah. but... Um, yeah, just the absolute. What mm. what do you do there? You need more than parkland to make a community. Parkland. Parkland's good. Mm. Yeah. Uh, not not knocking parkland, no, but no. but you need you need that diversity. Mm. You, you need... get in the mm. car and you wait hours waiting to get on the highway yeah, to go exactly. some to go away from the place yeah, 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 and then yeah. to come back to it again. Yeah. yeah, I suppose that's when you see the parkland when you're waiting in the traffic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, the, the parkland, I. I I don't know much about Point Cook, I must admit, mm. but some friends of mine got a train to Altona recently and mm. walked to Point Cook from there. I don't know how far it is, but they walked and they were talking about the parklands and why they went there, etc. Well, the mm. parklands are beautiful because mm. that's how they sell the, mm. the houses. Mm. It's, <laughs> it looks pretty, but yeah. there's, um, there's not much going on. No. No, mm. that's that's right. And so you've got a lot of people needing to commute. You're not creating any self-sustainable mm. commercial hubs. What was or... not going on that got you out there to not go on? Well, <laughs> we were looking at the um, the horti- urban horticulture. Ah. We were looking at the street trees and mm. the parks. But it was a place that was – there were no people. Mm. And I know right. everybody – I would like to see it um, after hours or on the weekend mm. – to to see what it's like, but it was just a reminder of like it, the difference between the inner city and the yeah. outer city is just yeah. phenomenal. Mm. Like, yeah. it's just a reminder of no wonder it's so expensive living in the inner city. I mean, to make a sustainable mm. community, it's about the number of boxes you can tick. So if mm. you can say, well, it's walkable, you can cycle, you can walk to a shop, you can there's community space, you know, there's cooperatives, you know. Parkland, mm. sporting facilities. The more the more you tick, the more socially sustainable these communities become. Mm. You know, but mm. it looks like somewhere like Point Cook is maybe a couple of boxes that you tick, as yeah, opposed to a couple. Yeah, four or five or six, which mm. would really make a truly resilient mm. community and, and community yeah. gardens and that oh, kind of oh. thing and all of that, so people can grow food and do permaculture. Yeah, and yeah. Should should mm. yeah, there's should just be the norm. Really productive out there. No, whatsoever. and there's so many suburbs where. Even to go and get a pint of milk or loaf of bread, you've got to get in a yeah. car. Yeah, it's literally, um, it's literally it, it's, like that. Yeah. yeah, it's not good. Not yeah. good. Anyway, no. just to re- we yeah. went out there. Any- yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah. That's that's good. Yeah, it's mm. good to good to hear you. And out of there course, exploring. of course, next Wednesday is the fourth Wednesday in September, and a month after that, the fourth Wednesday in October, Emma's going to have her special on. On oh, waste. Yeah. I'm looking forward and, to that. Yes, waste. recycling and w- what happens to it. Yeah, yeah. So there you are. Um, now, also on, on on issues to do with workers, um, you'd be sorry, poor old Graham Kerr. Now, Graham worked for BHP and then they hived off this company called South 32, which is really still a subsidiary, but it's you know supposed to run separately. Graham now runs it. Um, now... Poor Graham lost a third of his short-term incentives. He he got his um, he got four point one million for the year, including one point seven seven million salary and one point nine six million in short-term incentives. So the incentives knocked off the salary, but he missed out on a on a bit a fair bit of his his incentives he could have got um, because of uh, in South Africa in mines they run in South Africa a number of workers were killed. And so, and so the headline is Perks Head South, Deaths at Mine Cut Into Pay. Nothing to do with the fact these poor South African workers died, particularly as terrible, but the awful, awful consequence of them dying was this poor man got less money. 
Serious? That is outrageous. Outrageous. That is absolutely outrageous. That is. Well, there you are. Jeez. <laughs> so that's it. And um, poor old, we're killing people all over the world. Orica, which is the big um, explosive company, it's got a plant in Chile and it knocked off a couple of workers this week as well. You'll be pleased to know. Um, it um, Two workers were killed in an explosion. Well, they do make explosives, so I suppose it's, uh, they might have been testing them or something. The company said in a brief statement that the packaged emulsions manufacturing plant in the Chilean city of Antofagasta was undergoing maintenance when an explosion occurred, killing the two workers. Any incident that results in fatalities or injuries is devastating, and our concern now is to support the families and colleagues of our two workers. Sure, they care enormously. Sure, the board sitting in Sydney would care enormously about the workers that killed in Chile. I'm sure they do. Yeah, hmm. like they cared about the workers in Chile, um, 73, 9-11, the big date we celebrate when um, oh, yes. the American-backed invasion, um, yes. uh, American-backed overca- overthrow of the elected government and uh, many years of torture and butchering by General Pinch of shit. Exactly, um, exactly, yeah. yeah. Now also... Um, the uh, you're pleased to know the I I didn't realise in fact I thought the communications electrical and plumbing union CPU was was actually on the left but there's obviously been some sort of takeover it's now described as a major labour right affiliated union but one of the one of the um, organisers uh, and members of the council Val Butler is accusing the divisional assistant secretary John O'Donnell of bullying and harassing her through phone calls and emails and quotes some pretty nasty language he used to order. And uh, she's taken them to court um, again uh, uh, with the bullying laws that the Labor government mm. brought in for employers. But uh, mm. their defence is incredible. Their defence is that, in fact, they're not technically an employer. They're not technically a business. And the, you can only sue businesses under bullying laws. And so they're saying you can't even bring the case because we are not a business under the terms of the Act. Jeez. And so they're not saying they didn't do it. They're just saying mm. we we might have done it, but you can't do anything about it. They've just found a loophole. Yeah, now that's, that's waiting for the court to decide, by the yeah. way, on their submission, but that's the submission they've that's made. That's the that submission they, they've made. That it can't, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Isn't that wonderful? And you'll be pleased to know also on, on similar matters, um, the Herald Sun finally ran a story about the CUB dispute. Oh, uh, after weeks yeah. and weeks. Front page... <laughs> And again, another story a couple of days later, um, six, the workers, um, CUB, of course, saying nothing to do with us because it's a contractor. They change contractors. We know the background. The con- new contractor says, uh, we're going to sack you, but then re-employ you at 65% of your old wage with mm. lower conditions, etc. Mm. The workers have been on the grass ever since, mm. uh, understandably. The Herald Sun story was that the picket line was, was intimidating workers who wanted to go to work, a burka had been bashed, and it was a totally anti-union once again. Mm. No sympathy with the workers off at 65%. Mm. No. And then more stories two days later, CFMEU boss John Setka urged workers to get their hands dirty at a rally weeks before a union organiser allegedly assaulted a sick employee outside Melbourne's biggest brewery. And they, they keep quoting the bosses of the brewery saying it's terrible the way people are being intimidated. These workers are thugs. Um, and they say... You know, they, they do mention that they were offered you know, lower wages, but they then say all the workers who are being offered new jobs with annual pay between seventy two and $120,000. Mm. 
received redundancy payments. So, you know, they're making, they're making it out like the workers are the worst in the world. And why don't they accept the 65% cut? Same old story, isn't it, from the Herald yes, Sun? Yes, yes, good to see. Yes. Just thought I'd mention that. And, oh, by the way... Another one trying desperately to solve a dispute. BHP, they've been negotiating for a year with the, with the coal unions up in Queensland. And they're, they're so frustrated at the way the unions won't accept their offer of you know, giving them nothing, really, um, which shows just how irresponsible unions are in this area. Um, they've, they've, now asked, they've now come up with a non-negotiable final offer, which is... Three-year pay freeze, no, no increase at all, and and lowering and, and concessions and giving away concessions for the workers, that is, not the company, on productivity bonuses, superannuation, rent subsidies and insurance payments. And because they're working in the outback, it's until they get a rent subsidy. I think they ought to. I mean, if you're forced to go out there and work for them mm. in the outback, mm. I mean, why not? Yeah. But they, they're going to increase the rent by $3,120 a year, so you get three thousand one hundred and twenty dollars taken out of your frozen pay. Jeez, oh. isn't that wonderful? Jeez. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome conditions. Yes, watch this space on that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so there you go. That's great to see these companies still doing wonderful things. And uh, just um, on on the same track, I mean, the, the this this change last week where the government, I just find it fascinating. The government says to Labor, "You've got to support the plebiscite because we got a mandate." Yeah. Right. Then they changed their own superannuation. They went to the election. Yes, that's right. Now that mandate obviously was. Um, in John Howard's terms, a non-core mandate. A non-core yeah, mandate. obviously, because exactly. they... And now they're saying Labor has to support the non-core non-mandate. Exactly. Um, but they've changed that, and would you... Because, of course, um, the wealthy screen, because it was going to hurt them a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Not as much as they... Not they're terribly much. But the the difference in, 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 in what they appeal to, that the Financial Review tells the truth. Its headline was, Wealthy come out winners in new super deal. Mm. Herald Sun, low-paid workers, big super winners. <laughs> yeah. So there you are. Who yeah. do you believe? Well, who do you believe? Well, it makes sure that no one questions anything and we all carry on and keep calm and not question anything. And, yeah, it keeps the whole game yes. going again, doesn't it? Oh, it's wonderful. Yes. Really wonderful. Now, also, I mentioned last week Matthew Stevens, my favourite writer who loves unions and mining companies, hates mining companies, loves unions. No, he, he, he attacks unions and loves mining. Oh, for a minute, we, you're being serious. No, we, we, we quoted him last week. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, getting stuck into, I can't think of, oh, it was the one about the quake last week, wasn't it, where he said it, um, he quoted all the figures and then said it, it really wasn't caused by fracking when everything... Oh, yeah. Had, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, that was, that yeah. was Malcolm. Well, that's Matthew. Matthew. Well, Matthew this week, he's talking about Met Gasco and the fact they were stopped at Bentley by protests. And just a couple of quick quotes from this story. The protest was aimed at stopping unconventional drilling in the Northern Rivers district, but the well proposed was aimed at a conventional gas trap rather than coal seams and would not require the hydraulic fracturing that so many are so wrongly concerned about. <laughs> Instead of staring down this stupidity and reinforcing Metgasco's rights, the government buckled. Rather than send in 800 police to clear the driller's rightful way, the state's coal seam gas regulator withdrew approval to drill. Isn't that terrible? Shocking. But Metgasco's just settled with the New South Wales government for $25 million to um, 
to buy out the uh, the rights there. So they've got $25 million anyway handed over by the government. Wow. Paid five by the taxpayer. They're all day. getting yeah. money. BHP, which um, was stopped in the Karuna mine, uh, got $200 million compensation from the government. This is ridiculous. For, mm. for, this is uh, just ridiculous. For this not going, as if they need... For not going ahead is... with the mine. This is... This annoys me greatly. Mm. It annoys me greatly. Mm. I mean, the fact that we should never have been offering fracking in the first place. There was never any proper public debate or discourse about it. It no. was thrust upon yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just and now happened, the, we have to. The taxpayer has to bail out these companies when we rightfully, real, um, you know, question it and, and challenge it and say we don't want it. And it's the whole thing is multi-billion-dollar companies. Yeah, multi-billion-dollar yeah. companies. According yeah. to Matthew, though, they. The protesters were wrong. Oh, yeah, well, of course. Of course, the protesters yeah. are always wrong. Oh, there it is. New South Wales pays $220 million to kill BHP mine. There's another headline. Mm. Um, just and crazy. Just on that, though, and nothing, no relationship to what I just said, but you'll be pleased to know, or not pleased to know, Arctic sea ice has shrunk to its second lowest level since satellite monitoring started. The U.S. National Snow and Ice Data Centre said the, the sea ice hit its summer low point last Saturday of 4.14 million square kilometres. That's only the is only that's behind only the 2012 mark, and it keeps going up and up. Well, let's and up. not worry about that and have a plebiscite instead. We can distract plebiscite, ourselves with right. that. Yes, you know, yes, that's yeah. right. We can have a plebiscite on warming because also <laughs> another report. Um, from the International Union for Conservation of Nature, says the warming of the world's oceans is spreading dangerous diseases and affecting fish stocks and crop yields. We know all this, but mm. they, at least they come out with reports saying mm. it. Conservationists warned the world is completely unprepared for the impact of warming oceans on wildlife, natural systems and humans, some of which are already being felt. Yeah. Even with action to significantly reduce split infinitive, the greenhouse gas emissions that are causing ocean warming, there will still be a high risk of impact according to the report, etc., and it goes on. But uh, they say the only way to preserve the rich diversity of marine life and to safeguard the protection and resources the ocean provides us with is to cut greenhouse gas emissions rapidly and substantially. Mm. Exactly. Um, etc. It goes on. But yeah, years. We have, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's getting more and more serious, more and more urgent. I mean, we're facing uh, a climate emergency, mm. and yet you wouldn't know it, would you? No. I mean, you get the odd, the odd little article... But it should be front page news just to really shake people up about the seriousness and the urgency of the problem. Mm. But yeah, mm. I'm I'm not optimistic about the humans getting it together to make these rapid changes. Well, if I can give you optimism, a bit of a boost here. Okay, Mark. Um, all right. I'm sure you'll be great at doing yes, that. Yes, that's right. Well, <laughs> you were pleased to know that this week Theresa May, the British Prime Minister, of course, is expected to approve the Hinkley Point nuclear power plant, the French and Chinese consortium running it. Yes. Um, and, um, and it was a separate story. I think it was in The Guardian last week, wasn't it? There was a separate story that, in fact... Um, because of the, the because of the funding of the whole thing and the financing, electricity from it's going to be extraordinarily high. But mm. that's beside the point. And, beside the point. And they keep stress. They keep making. I mean, the, the proponents keep making the point that nuclear is needed to fight climate change. I mean, it's, mm, it's extraordinary, isn't it? I know. I... We'll get uh, we'll get Howard on the line. <laughs> Look, I just want to run past you both. Um, I think this is the most. I think the most pertinent comment made about housing in the last, um, well, as long as I can remember, we've been doing this program a long time, April. Um, 
the the head of the Property Council of Australia, who is also the head of Stockland, Mark Steinert, he he said what the major defining issue of of, of housing is. Do you want to know what it is? Um. <laughs> this shows incredible intelligence and insight. Affordability. Exactly, affordability. You got it. I get the Spot on. Yes, you got it. <laughs> Gee, he's got to be some sort of thinker. And he's doing his best to make sure that uh, it's not. It is affordable, and we can all access. <laughs> That's can I, right. I just want to. Can I just point something out? It's very interesting um, because Stockland, um, obviously, are very interconnected with the Property Council. Mm-hmm. A lot of um, so-called ethical uh, superannuation funds actually invest in Stockland. Um, so I just put that out there that just because you invest money in ethical super doesn't necessarily mean to say that it is ethical. Um, you know, the question of what constitutes ethical is an interesting one. But I found that quite disturbing when I was looking at which superannuation to put my money into. And I noticed that a lot of them saw Stockland as somehow being an ethical company. And I'm not saying it is or it isn't, um, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying that I personally wouldn't want to put my money into Stockland because they don't stand for what I stand for. And, of course, Seabus, anyway, is one of the biggest property developers in the country these days. Yeah. Uh, And and yet not um, doing investing in uh, community housing. No, no, they they invest in suburban sprawl. Can can I ask you both to open up? Because we do want to talk about um, the fact that a lot of, as we know, public housing is being handed over to all sorts of private groups. Uh, non-profit and, um, and church, etc. Um, I believe recently there's been some sort of deal between the federal and state governments on this whole question. Can one or either of you explain what that's about and we'll take it from there? Um, sorry, just because I can't see you, Howard. I, I, I don't want to cut you off. Um, but um, So I don't know if you want to comment first. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I can, I can take it from what um, Scott Ludlam, the Greens... Uh, housing spokesperson said on his um, website and that there's a 2009 agreement between Australia's housing ministers to give away up to 75% of what they call social housing but they're really talking about public housing so um, 75% stands at risk um, if you go to uh, Scott Ludlam's uh, or I think it's Look, I'll come, I'll come up with the reference later. Anyway, it's uh, the minister was Tanya Plibersek, uh, Senator Abib and the Minister Burke, all from the ALP involved in it. Uh, and there's $20 billion actually going into um, the housing sector, but as far as I'm aware, virtually none of it's going into public housing. It's all going into um, supporting uh, social housing, uh, pretty much. And... Um, so that's basically the framework which we've been facing since 2009 and now we're starting to see the transfer or the giveaway, sorry, the giveaway of public housing to the private community housing, social housing sector. Um, did you want to add anything, April? Yeah, just to, to say, um, and earlier than 2009, um, back when Brian Howe was a federal housing minister when we had one, um, the, the plan was within the um, 20 or 30 years that there'd no longer be a public housing system um, and that uh, it uh, would be a social housing system and it would need to be self-sufficient. Um, so organ- housing associations um, in Victoria and around Australia have become registered and they've been managing um, public housing stock for some time. 
um, but still not having the financial leverage that they need to be, um, you know, um, sustainable. And this is where we're at the point that in most states, except for Victoria, that there's been the transfer of title of stock. And in Victoria, the housing minister's making a um, housing announcement, I think it's um, mid-October, which we expect it to be um, an announcement um, about at least 70% of public housing stock being transferred to the housing associations in Victoria. And last week or the week before, um, the the first slot that was announced was the transfer of um, some 1,500 titles to Aboriginal Housing Australia. Mm-hmm. And are you still there, April? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. When you switch up so suddenly, I thought it might have lost you or something. Yeah, I, um, there was a break in the line. I wasn't um, sure if I was Yeah. Um, and on that one, um, I mean, it's that's an interesting one because the, the, the cause, I mean, housing Aboriginal people is obviously yeah. a cause we'd support, yeah. but it surely it could be done without handing the houses over to someone else. It could be the state government could still own them, for instance. But of course. And, and also for organised... On, you know, organisations to have to raise their own funds um, to to ensure that people are housed, mm. and we know that they'll never be able to to house at the rate that government um, mm. can actually. So, so this means that these groups and all these groups that run these things, their rentals are, are higher than the those twenty five percent these days, yes. isn't it? Set by well, public housing. The Aboriginal Housing Association, um, for most of its stock, actually charges eighty five percent of market rent, so it's higher than, uh, of course, public housing. Um, but one of the, the alarming things, um, I suppose, is that, um, I mean, they were saying with the stock that they were getting transferred, some of it was poor quality stock, um, so they'd be looking at selling rather than um, and then using the funds to redevelop somewhere else. But one of the problems that we have with the transfer of stock and one of the big issues that we have with housing associations is that there isn't any transparency in, in terms of how they operate, particularly in terms of how tenancies are allocated and managed. And with the 13, is it 13 Howard? I think 13 now, housing associations, they all operate very differently and rent is higher than public housing rents. So um, what should have happened is, one, that tenants be consulted about their tenancies being transferred to the not-profit sector, but there also needs to be clear policies about how they're going to operate so that we can ensure that nobody's living conditions are being eroded. Mm. Yeah. Mm. How any comment on this at this stage? Well, yeah, obviously uh, we'd like to see consultation, but if there was consultation, there'd be re- complete rejection. Yes, that's right. Because there's no way anyone would want their rent to go up from 25% of their income to something which is not related at all to their income. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, and when you... When and you... There's also issues around, like, we know that the housing associations at the moment, because they need to maximise... Um, their financial returns have have policies about, and this particularly affects older people, that um, who might be in two or three bedrooms, but family move out, um, or a spouse or you know a partner dies, and they are forced to to downsize or to leave. Um, and while waiting for properties, if if they do agree to downsize, and often you know of course it's not like the public housing stock that we have in in that we know how many one bedrooms and all that kind of stuff, um, but they're actually charged a higher rent if it, you know um, through having pressure put on them to to actually leave. Mm. That's not right at all. No. 
And when you say, um, you know, they're talking about 75% um, being handed over, this is in a period when we need more and more public housing. So are we effectively getting no new public housing? That's what's happening from Mm. this point. There is no new capital growth money for public housing. And there hasn't been for some time. Nation building was the last slot. But a lot of that was um, in properties that were managed by housing associations. So any new capital money will be from government, will go to the housing associations, or any new stock that they build through generations, you know, generation of having the title to be able to raise more finance. Well, we're, we're approaching a very, very catastrophic situation yeah. because um, yeah. housing affordability is, is pe- more and more people are being pushed away from home ownership. Yeah. And um, population's obviously increasing rapidly in Melbourne and Sydney. And we're not, people aren't managing to find affordable accommodation. Well, I, stock, I can't see this ending well at all. The stock land man fingered the problem. People can't afford it. Yeah. Um, which is pretty smart. Howard, you've been fighting this for a long time, this public housing issue. Are you, are you getting anywhere with this or is it running away from us? Uh, look, we are making progress um, given what the government's proposing to do, given what April's just told us. Uh, we're not making enough progress, but we have had some support from uh, local councils. Um, we're currently uh, consulting the local councils, which are coming up for election. But we've had... Um, We've had a unanimous resolution in, in support by Yarra Council um, opposing the giveaway of public housing to private associations. Uh, we had a Trade Hall Council resolution opposing the giveaway, calling on governments to increase public housing. Um, and recently, Moreland Council unanimously opposed the giveaway uh, after the Socialist Councillor. Uh, Sue Bolton and the Greens councillor Lanka Thompson got together and put that resolution up. Um, we also spoke directly to the Greens um, a while ago and we got their, uh, at least the state um, Greens, to actually put up a um, policy which actually opposes the giveaway. Um, they backflipped on that uh, immediately after the last state election and they seem to have backflipped back again. Um, also, we contacted um, some of the candidates for the last federal election. We actually got Darren Hinch, of all people, to come out giving very good support for retaining public housing. In fact, the right-wing candidates actually were quite good. The DLP and the PUP candidate all supported public housing. So we're making some inroads, uh, but we're actually limited by our personnel. So if anyone wants to join in the fight, uh, Friends of Public Housing... Um, is always looking for more people. We've got a Facebook page um, if you want to join in, Friends of Public Housing Victoria. Um, and Fiona Ross, who is one of the co-coordinators, um, has got a blog page, which is, uh, if you're interested, Save Public Housing, all one word, .blogspot.com.au, which gives you information about it. So that's Save Public Housing, .blogspot.com. Dot com.au. Mm. I noticed, um, thinking of Moreland Council recently, they've had the money. There's a there's a pool of money being made available to buy to get homes for uh, women fleeing domestic violence, presumably mostly women anyway, and kids. And um, they're buying, I think, four houses. Um, will these end up being publicly owned or in some private group again? Do you know? No, they'll they'll be um, owned or owned and or managed by the housing associations, Kevin. 
Um, mm. And um, a lot of those, um, I, I think most housing agencies or associations have um, taken up the offer of that money and end up looking like getting, as you said, four or five houses. Mm. So certainly, I mean, it's a good cause again, but it should be yes. still publicly owned at the end, shouldn't yes, it? Yes, that, that, that's right. And, that, um, and shouldn't be compromised that in the sense that they're... Um, I suppose the housing has to go in hand with the, the support, but 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 again, um, the compromise being that it can only be housing provided for those that can give support, and that that doesn't need to be the case. Um, you you can have publicly owned housing and make sure that you've got good funded support services that can go in, and and that you've got services that can link people to those. Um, and and there are issues around, um, you know, your support service um, managing your tenancy as well. Um, mm. and, and those type of things have never been sorted out. So these groups, they, they, it's public money, they, they presumably yes. get the title of the property. Yes. And after that, one assumes they can do what they like with it. It doesn't well, have to, in the long term, be used for the purpose for which the money was allocated, one assumes. No, that, that's right, and that's always been our concern in, the, in that, you know, if the organisation is going bad or, or if it um, thinks that a particular housing development... Um, you know, is, is good and it diversifies, um, you know, their, their portfolio. They're free to do, to do whatever they mm. like with that stock that was originally given given mm. to them. And that's the whole idea because, um, you know, government had said you need to be self-sufficient and, of course, the um, traditional um, money lenders like banks and stuff haven't really got into social housing and touched it with a barge pole and it has seen that those organisations weren't that financially viable to be lending enough money to be able to expand their housing stock. And so the leverage has to have been the handover of, um, of assets so that they've got a, a, you know, that they're more financially viable, mm. if that makes sense. Is there anything in the planning scheme, like controls that mean we have to provide a certain amount of public housing or social housing? Well, as Howard was saying before, the, the contact and lobbying that we do with um, local government is really important yeah, around definitely. that, so, so that they, um, you know, make sure that uh, there there is affordable housing, and I don't mean affordable as it's being touted around it mm. at the moment, because affordable housing means, you know, something like seventy percent of the market rent, which we know is is unaffordable. Yep. Um, so they have a, have an important role to play. But our biggest, um, I suppose. It's our biggest concern at the moment is we don't know what the negotiations are in terms of the handover of stock. Um, there's always been an issue about housing associations being able to cherry-pick um, what tenants they take because mm. they, they need to be risk-adverse. Um, we know that they only wanted to take 25% of people off a priority housing public housing list, um, but the um, department and the minister has recently said that that part of the negotiation is that they have to take 75%, but we don't know from what segments or, um, you know, what uh, early housing categories, um, because there's a, a number of them, um, so it's all being done in secrecy, mm. as it has been in Victoria for the last Sounds like years. it. That's, that's the fundamental mm. problem. It's the secrecy yep. and mm. lack of consultation. And, and if, if, they, if, they were, if they removed that secrecy and consulted more, we'd get a much, much better outcome, I yeah, think. Yeah, and, mm. you know, and it, and it could be a conversation that, you know, people um, may not necessarily care who the landlord is, mm. as long as the benchmarks of affordability, security of tenure... Um, adaptability, accessibility, all those things that, you know, the principles that we talk about mm. that we know that they're written into into the uh, agreements and so that tenants won't be you know, they're um, 
situations won't be worse, but we're very fearful at the moment. Actually, mm. can I just take issue with what April's just said? I don't think we should even think about going down that road um, because you can get things written into agreements and they just get ignored and um, the public housing tenants or the, the, the tenants then have to fight to have those um, administered. And uh, if you're relying on a government which has already given away its responsibility, uh, you're not going to be able to rely on them to enforce the conditions either. So it's a much, much riskier, much worse position than actually retaining ownership and management within the, the government. Yeah, I, I don't. Of course, I don't disagree with that. Um, um, I just don't it, think we should be talking about that yeah. as, a, as an idea. And Given, I think we should just be saying, no, it's not reliable. We want to, we, we must maintain government ownership and management. Yeah, and and I and totally, and Hag totally uh, agrees with that. But um, and it it is only about about the processes that will affect um, people, and we will have to have some negotiation or some discussions around that to make sure. I mean, housing associations are here to stay, but we've got to make sure that their um, policies are, are transparent and um, not, uh, you know, ensure, and sorry, to ensure that tenants aren't ending up in a worse situation. And if I can give one example of that, um, I did a VCAT hearing um, a couple of months ago for um, a woman who was a social housing tenant. Um, her partner had died. They were charging the same rent, so she ended up in rental arrears. And also what happened to her was that she was on a carers payment, so she ended up on Newstart. Of course, her rent wasn't um, adjusted down because the social housing provider was saying, well, this is the, the rent, so unlike public housing. So she ended up in a, um, a few thousand dollars arrears. Um, we ended up in VCAP because we actually couldn't get the rent calculation from the social housing provider. And in the hearing, they said they didn't, they could, they weren't allowed to provide it by government. Government didn't actually allow them to provide information on how rent was calculated in social housing. Now we know that that's not true. Um, VCAT was powerless to, um, you know, make them provide that. And we went through the housing register. They couldn't do anything about it because it was about a tenancy. And this woman ended up losing her housing, whereas in public housing, in that hearing, I could have looked up online mm. what how rent was calculated. Mm. Definitely. So it probably wouldn't will... have been an issue anyway because her rent would have been lowered yeah. if she was in public housing. Well, in social housing, it's not depending on yeah. the mm. site that people are living in, how, how it was financed. Yeah. And it really is at the whim of the, of the provider. It just goes to show, doesn't it? Yeah, it just goes to show that the real differences between public and social mm, housing and, and the situations that can arise. Yeah, know. and we had another woman who, her and her husband moved into social housing. They were there for two months. He died. Um, they were on a early housing priority category of home. Um, they were homeless. Um, and because she couldn't pay the double rent, she was forced out in six months. Yeah. Is the basis for all this no more than neoliberal economics run riot? Yep. yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> One word, yes. We you know what neoliberal economics in the affordable housing sector is. April, April took us back to, um, you know, the, the Hawke Labor government. That's when it came in, early 1980s. It was all about what's called neoliberalism, which is really just a uh, disguise for the rich people. Yeah. Um, it was called New Right back then, and then it became neoliberal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 
Well, yeah. just about. I mean, they said we're not in the business of housing. housing no, the government's not in business. The government is not a business. The government is mm. a government. It's not supposed mm. to be in business. You know that, and housing should not be left up yeah. to the build, the business sector for those who don't want to be in the business sector. Exactly. Mm. Simple. Yeah. And we haven't touched. We've only got about two minutes left, but we haven't yet touched upon. So in about one sixty seconds or so to the fact that I believe they've now also amalgamated the waiting list, the public housing waiting list with the social housing waiting list, so they're all in the same. Is that is that going to make any changes? Well, it, um, it's supposed to bring about more, more transparency, but it, um, because it, it's, it's, it's supposed to provide some accountability um, in terms of the social housing providers that they are taking, off the, um, taking people off the waiting list. So now it'll be the next vacancy that's available, whether it's um, public or social housing, if that's what you've chosen. Mm. And given that there's no vacancies in public housing, it's all going to go to social housing. Mm. So it's just a ploy by the Andrews government to push people into social housing mm. and away from public housing. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it gives the social housing providers access um, uh, to, to the lease. So that, in that sense, it, um, there, there's, no, there's no advantage. We'll have to follow this one up. I mean, we've sort of scraped the surface today a bit. So, look, thank you both for coming thank on. Thank you both. Yeah, that was great. Um, but we'll, we'll certainly follow up. Maybe next month we'll do more on this and have a look at it again, yeah. And check out Friends of Public Housing on Facebook. Yep. Definitely. Okay, so Howard from Friends of Public Housing, thank you very much. April Bragg, Housing for the Aged Action Group, HAG as you call it. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, and we'll, April. We'll thank talk you. to you next month. Bye. Thanks a lot. Okay. Cheers. Oh, well, there we are. Very interesting. Yeah, I, we scraped the surface. Well, yeah, we did. We, did. Yeah. we did. we could talk a lot more about this. So next month, next week, I'm sorry, um, next <laughs> next week's month, we'll also talk about this. You're ahead of yourself, though. Yeah, <laughs> next, next week, John um, Passant, um, people, a lot of people ask for John yes. coming on. So we got, well, I'm hoping we've got John Passant. I, I realised on the way here I meant to ring him yesterday to confirm, and I haven't. So uh, hopefully he'll be available next week and we'll have John to talk about economic stuff. He's Fingers the, for those who don't know, John's a, a former assistant director or whatever he's called of uh, Commissioner of Taxation who uh, whose simple rule of life is tax the rich. Thanks for Fantastic. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, Mark, thank, um, thank Emma and say goodbye. Thank you, Emma, and goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Yeah.